Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Our current sermon series, Shining the Light, is celebrating 50 years of ministry at Mount Carmel Christian Church, looking back at everything that God has done through us and in us. Today's speaker is teaching minister, Tim Peace. So I have to admit, it's been really cool to see what's been going on with our team in Houston. We had videos every day, and and I have to admit, I'm not a Facebook guy, but we even have a page now on our website at mountcarmelchurch.org where you can see the recap of the videos and the pictures and all that was going on there, and I'd encourage you to do that. But while those awesome people were sweating it out in Texas, I took a trip down memory lane this week because we've been in a series called Shining the Light, celebrating 50 years of ministry at Mount Carmel Christian Church. And we've been through three weeks that Didi's walked us through, uh, each week stopping at a destination point a decade where we've looked back and we've captured the themes and the people and the stories that came out of each era of our church's history. In week one, in, in that 1968 to 1978 period, we learned from our folks that were leaders in that upstart church, the faith that was required of young families needing a church to call home because in a winter storm in January, they couldn't even start their cars to go worship. So they got together and they said, you know, we need to put it all on the line because we need a church here for the people in our community. And they took that risk And they went through that struggle. And in their faith, because they recognized God's love for them and his love for the community around, they started the church that we now know today as Mount Carmel Christian Church. And then in week two, we looked at the period from 1978 and 1988. And we learned that in a growing church, it would be very easy to become fractured. But the leadership of the time made a commitment to be unified in the gospel and in God's love and to stick together. And the church grew and it flourished. And then in week three, we looked at 1988 to 1998. And we learned how important the mission to evangelize, to share the love of God with the community meant that we had to innovate We had to step up. We had to be willing to do what was necessary in order to share God's message to the world. And again, the church flourished. And now we come to week four. And it's an era, 1998 to 2008, that's got a soft spot in my heart. You see, I took a trip down memory lane because I got to look at records and and things that happened in that time. But I also was here during that time. And so I have a soft spot for this era. And one of the coolest things that came out of looking back for me was I was asking uh, friends that were, that were in leadership at the time and still are in leadership what that era was like and what it was all about. And then I was matching up my own individual personal experience and I started to see common threads that I wasn't the only one experiencing it. But it was the people in our community, it was the people of this church that were experiencing the good that came out of that era. 
And I was struck by Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And I noticed some similarities between that letter and that era and where we're headed. And so I wanted to share a passage with you or two and just talk about those key ideas this morning. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 21, this is what Paul says, and it's actually a prayer for the Ephesian Christians that he says, this is, this is what he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now here's what's interesting. And I, I picked this up this week as I was, I was studying through this passage or this whole letter. And it never occurred to me before. You know, Paul is notorious. He always has exhortation lists, meaning uh, things that he says you should do, things that he says you shouldn't do. But when you read the entire letter of the Ephesians, you recognize very quickly that Paul doesn't start there. He doesn't start telling you what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing. Instead, he starts by recognizing the love and the grace God's bestowed on his people. In fact, when you read the first three chapters, Paul gets so lost in amazement about how much God has done for us that he actually goes on one run-on sentence for 16 verses. That would not pass in grammar school. But he just goes on and on and on because he's amazed that God had grace for him, that he sent his son Jesus to die, that he conquered death. And he wants the church to be amazed at this because he never writes you as in you the individual, but you all. Y'all, you know. If you have Kentucky roots, you know what that, y'all. This is for everybody. He's writing for everyone saying, God loves you so much that he conquered sin and death and he brought you to life so that you could thrive, so that you could live for him, so that you can be empowered to live for him. And that's how he starts this letter. And what struck me as I was reading this is that's the story of the era of our church that we're talking about. A lot of good stuff happened. Dee Dee Bacon, our senior minister, became the senior minister in September of 1999. And he's still here as our senior minister today. He's the fifth senior minister in the history of our church. In 2002, we did a little name change. We were Mount Carmel Church of Christ, 
but we became Mount Carmel Christian Church. In 2003, we did an addition on our old building. It was a time where we actually weren't growing that much, but we answered the call in steps of faith, and out of that, growth in the church happened. We began initiatives like the ones that we're celebrating today of service started in that era. They became a part of our DNA. But here's the thing. We can talk about all of the themes, all of the innovation that we've seen in our history, all of the work we've done, and it should be celebrated. But what carried us through this era was actually the confidence that we had that God loved us. I can remember on our old church walls, we had the phrase, love God with passion, love each other with joy, and take love to our neighbors. Today we've shortened that. It's still on our walls. It says loving God, loving people. We recognize that God loved us and we had confidence in that and we let that steer us. We let that be the driving factor, the catalyst for the way that we operated as a church. And we also did this and also recognize this that Paul is writing to an Ephesian church that was in the midst of struggle, that was maybe losing confidence. And you know, I would be remiss to not mention that when Didi became the senior minister at the time, he came on under some intense struggle as a church. The kind of struggle that could have fractured and dissolved and broken up a church. But our leadership stepped in and they relied on the reality that God loves us and loves the community And they relied on the mission that's at the heart of why we exist. And they let that steer us moving forward and never looking back. And I have to tell you, I was a high school kid at that time. And I felt that. In your bulletins, I wrote a little story about when I came here. You can read it later, but... Uh, there was a, a youth service called Extreme that was in a Midas building at the time. And this was part of the innovation of that era. They decided, you know, we're, we're going to resemble the kids that we're going to try to reach. And I had a friend named Dan. I'm not going to lie. Dan was a fantastic musician. Dan also got busted with pot and temporarily booted from the band because of the pot. And I don't really know why I trusted him to go to church at a place with graffiti on the walls, and the worship music was led by a band that played 90s-era punk rock music. But they did it to reach out. And as weirded out as I was by that, I was captured by it. But it isn't what kept me here. 
What kept me here was that willingness to reach out, pull in, and invest. I had leaders in this church that are still here that invested in my life. And as I was going through and talking to friends about that era, it turns out that as understated as we tend to be as a church, especially when it comes to celebrating our successes, there was a lot of that going on in pockets all over the place. And I believe that it's that love for others that comes from the love of God for us that is going to be the catalyst that moves us forward into the years that are to come. And so, Paul also says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15, he says this, he says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now again, we can read that, and we can see the do's and the don'ts. But don't separate this from the whole of the story that Paul is telling. The do's and the don'ts only have any meaning and are only rooted in the love that God had for us in the first place. In fact, we are powerless to do any of this without him. We need his power. We need his love. But notice this. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In Paul's era, they were looking forward to the return of Jesus, but they were also concerned because the church was being persecuted, torn down. It's no wonder that the Ephesian Christians were lacking in confidence because they had persecution in their grill every single day of their lives. And yet, they didn't just wallow and hide. Instead, Paul says, make the use of every opportunity because the days are evil. Urgency. Be urgent. Let people know about the love of God. And we don't have to look far to find what that urgency looks like because we have Jesus. There is no greater urgency than sending your son to die on a cross. God is chasing after us. That's urgency. That's love in urgency. I felt that being here during that era of this church. And I saw it. And I can hear it in the stories that we grew in confidence in that time. In a time where many might not be that confident. And instead, we stuck to the mission and we moved forward. So I urge you today to recognize the fact that God loves each and every one of us. 
that he cares about us. That no matter how far we've fallen, how much we've stumbled, how difficult life gets, that he is always there. And he doesn't just invite you in for your benefit, but so that you can share that love with others. I'm a product of that. I'm a product of that at this church. And I trust many of you in this room are. And so I wanted to do something different. You know, each week we've had the opportunity to share uh, from leaders of the past in video form uh, to just get perspectives from those that were leading in each era that we've looked at. And I thought, you know, we can't leave Didi out. But, you know, we don't need a video camera to do that either. So I'm going to ask Didi to come out and just have him share from his perspective what it really means uh, to have pushed forward in that era. Hey, hey, there, hey, I like this. Oh, there we, there we go. Come on. Yeah. I was going to say more nice stuff, but you know, I'm just kidding. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hello. How's it going? Hi, Tim. So, you know, in the spirit of the reality of what Paul writes about in Ephesians here, the fact that the church is called to have confidence in, in God's love and to let that be the catalyst for moving forward, mm -hmm. I know that you personally, as the leader of this church and as a member of this church body, as part of the many, as part of the whole experience firsthand what that was like. And so I just wanna, wanted you to maybe share what it was like to have confidence in, in God during an era that was filled with struggle, but also filled with a lot of good. Um, well, I think, well, first of all, let me just say this. Um, we talked about Mount Carmel being a church of the understated. We tend to downplay um, I think that's just a characteristic of our congregation, our people. Um, exemplified in, we all celebrated the video of the Houston trip, and that's amazing. And you saw a lot of the faces, and you saw a lot of things going on. What you didn't see was a face that uh, pulled it all together. Um, he would not go in front of the camera because he says, I have a face for radio. Um, but I think everyone that went on to that trip knows that without Tim Pride, and the tireless work he does behind the scenes and pulling all this together. Uh, you know, he was up until 2 in the morning on a regular basis with Mike Gailey, sitting up all the coordinating. Uh, he's still on his way with the crew, with all the equipment now. Um, without someone like Tim Pride, it doesn't happen. And to me, that captures exactly, I think, um, what we learned during that decade in which uh, the church leadership took a risk on a young punk from Zimbabwe, Africa, who had married the preacher's daughter. Um, you know about him. Anyway. Uh, oh, I know. I know all too well. They took a risk in, 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 in letting, uh, letting him lead at that time. Um, you know, it, I was listening to that, and what struck me in this, and, and this, is, this is a theme in Scripture, and we, we see it in the, in, in the Ephesians text. God loves to use the unlikely to do the unlikely. And you said God loves to use the unlikely to do the unlikely. The key factor is, is that those who are called 
the unlikely need to have two things, a commitment in trusting God and a realization that they are unlikely and don't know what they're doing, but God called them to do it, so let's do it. And so I would tell you that during those days, and, and many of you were there and you're still here with us, I would say it was very hard, uh, very hard for us as a church, very hard for me and my family at that time. Uh, it was a time in which we could have really easily said, I'm out of here. But we felt called that God was calling the unlikely to do the unlikely. And, uh, and so we, we made that commitment to, A, uh, well, we made a commitment to trust God. An author wrote once that the most dangerous place a believer can be is when their competence overrides their reliance on God. And I think maybe at a church we were at a point where we were doing well, things were going well, our, confident, our competence was rising, which happens, but maybe our reliance on God wasn't really where it needed to be. And coming through that, we realized that hey, we need to renew our commitment to do things where... Uh, our reliance on God always outmatches our competence because that's the best place to be. It's totally relying on God, using what He gives us as we're growing to honor Him. Um, Tim mentioned the fact that we did a build in 2003, and that was, that was if you think, it was crazy. We chose to do it at a time of the year when people supposedly aren't open to giving. Uh, giving patterns were down. Attendances were down. Uh, it was not the best time to do it, but again, uh, our leadership said, um, this is what we're called to do, and there was a desire to renew our trust in God, that God is bigger than what we've gone through, and His mission is bigger than what we can do and mess up, and if we rely on Him, and we release the vision, and we're faithful to the vision of the church that He gives to us, then we will see God do the unlikely through the unlikely. And so I think, I think that characterizes that time, a time of deep burdens and yet a time of really being forced to our knees on a regular basis to rely on God. Because, I mean, many times I, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm sure the elders at times were like, we don't know what we're doing. We're just trusting God one step at a time, which wasn't the first time we'd been there, but at that season it was where we were at. And I think that perpetuated our approach to, to different things. Um, we really were captured by the picture of the church as the body made up of many parts. And then we really believed that everyone who was there was there for a purpose because the, the Word of God is true. And for that purpose, if they are faithful to the calling God's placed on them to do what they're called to do, then God will bless that. And it wasn't perfect and it wasn't great at all the time, but it was uh, fruitful and quite honestly, this church where we are now is the next stage, the next phase of, of those investments at that time. Yeah, actually, uh, we got the land for this spot we got in 2008. Land, we got the land for this spot at 2008. So, yeah, it took us seven years to get here, but yeah, God fun. likes the number seven, right? I don't know. <laughs> seven years. I think it took us seven months to build and seven days to get in here. So, hey, how about that? There you go. Seven, seven, seven. There we go. Yeah. So, what what were the big what were the big wins and the positive gains from that era that that come to mind for you? 
You know, we can talk about the, the struggle, and, and you have to tell the story that way because it really does show our confidence in God. But what, what came out of that era that stood out to you? I think, you know, we talked, you talked about that passage, uh, Ephesians 5. And, he, you know, Ephesians 5, you read that, he says, uh, live, and actually the, the, the text actually says walk. Walk as wise, not as unwise. And, and wisdom in Scripture is doing the right thing in the right way for the right results, and is inspired from God's Word. So applying God's word to life in the right way and the right manner for the right results is wisdom. So it says, walk as wise, not as unwise, for the days are evil, making the most of opportunity. And I think that, to me, characterizes where we were at those days. We recognize the days were evil, and we were committed then to walk as wise, which meant that um, there was a commitment to a thoughtfulness and an application of God's word in a manner that made us work and brought church health. There were a lot of things we could have done, and we did try, but by and large, there was a commitment to saying, we want to see the church be the church as God envisioned. And so, uh, for me, it's stuff that maybe the congregation didn't see, but it was behind-the-scenes development. I, I think about our elders developing a, a leadership structure that took the burden of having responsibility of all ministry functions from a few and really spread it out and releasing elders to invest in that. You know, we called it the diamond team because the, the structure looked like a diamond. So, but the diamond team piece was, was a piece that was an investment in releasing the church to be the church, opening up from where, you know, you talked about Mount Carmel Worship Band, where those were great days where it was a band of five or six that did all the worship music in those days. Then we changed ourselves. Okay, we need to be called a, a Mount Carmel Worship Ministry, which invited then young punks like you um, to come play. But the worship ministry then involved, it expanded from five to close to 40. Mm -hmm. And that's a different, different commitment and a different investment. And it takes time and it takes training and it takes uh, identification. And it takes courage by those in the congregation to say, hey, I'm here. Uh, I'm, uh, use me. I'm called to this ministry. I'm called to this mission. But I think that's the way God intended the church to be. As we look in Scripture, uh, that's what we see. So, I know you mentioned mission trips. Our mission trip process, what we just witnessed in Houston is, is really the result of investments that started back then when we were doing those kind of mission trips. Our commitment to the football team really started out with, uh, some of you remember this, uh, clean and green, walking down the streets of Mount Carmel, picking up trash. Uh, five or seven of us, you know, uh, the investment into the community and making a difference, the partnerships we enjoy with interparish ministries and, and the various ministries within Cincinnati. Well, they all started out with, with this notion of, okay, we're going to spend a week of serving our community, taking meals to the firehouses. Uh, we did a carnival at Piccadilly Square, those of you remember that, and uh, we did stuff that would reach out to the community then. Uh, and it was some fun times. It was some great times. But those began the seeds of what we're enjoying now and where we are now. Um, I still remember Piccadilly. It was raining. We had a thunderstorm. So we started playing uh, country music on the speakers. And everyone started line dancing in the rain. <laughs> yeah, I know. Rick and Barb, you know, they love country music. So that was a good time. <laughs> but I, I, again, I, I just think through... I often said, I use the analogy, and I come up with some strange ones. Our church broke its leg through 98, 99, 2000. We, 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 were, we were hurt. Um, but then 
God brought about healing by his grace. Yet when you get healed from something like a broken leg, you still have to develop confidence in that leg. You have to get up and walk, and you have to get up and run. You have to trust the healing that God has done in that. And I think that, for me, is the analogy that captures that. We, we had a broken leg. We healed. But then we had to develop the confidence again to get up and walk and fulfill the mission and ministry that God had called us to do. And I think that whole process took pretty much that whole 10 years, pretty much that whole 10 years. And, and it was marked by some courageous, patient leadership. I mean, <laughs> some of the sermons I preached when I was 30 years old are kind of wacky, and, and it's appropriate for me to be teased about them. But uh, the investment of the leadership in a young kid and just guiding through that was, was amazing. And that was reproduced in various other ways. Um, having a long-term wise view of where God has called us. What I'm excited about, and talks about bridge now, is that now we're, we're in, this is part of who we are, and what lies in the future is the same way, except it's going to be on an expanded level. Everyone that's here that calls Mount Carmel Christian Church your home, you're here because you, we invite you to be part of our church family, and as I've said before, as part of our church family, uh, every family, as any family that's godly, gives chores to their kids. And every one of us have godly chores assigned to us. The question is, will you be willing to, to say yes to them? Well, obviously, the people who went to Houston said yes to that specific assignment. And look at the blessing. As God, God works in us and brings us to be, and, and for the future, we're talking about this discipleship, brings us to be a person that, that is a Jesus follower who then learns how to invest in others who will also be Jesus followers so that... Uh, babies in the faith become eventually parents in the faith who have their own children that God is using them to invest in and help teach them. Because every one of us, every one of us needs to learn how to live life. And we don't read it, we don't do it primarily by reading a book. We look at, watch it by watching someone do it close to us that we can see how it's done. And I, I see us moving towards a place where we are all saying yes to the opportunities God gives us to fulfill our assignment, but most importantly, understanding that assignment is for us to be difference makers in the world, to introduce those who do not know Jesus to the truth of Jesus, and those who do know Jesus in whatever stage they are in their development, to move to that next day, to grow up so that they too can be difference makers. Because uh, if we're serious about the change in this community, if we're really serious about lives being changed, addressing the issue of heroin that's destroying our community, addressing the issue of whatever we want to say, divorce, broken homes, uh, addressing the issue of a hopelessness, teen suicide, addressing the issue of, uh, you know, working with, with people so they can have a life that, that God gives. If we're serious about that, we have to understand it's not, take, it's not going to happen by a program. It's going to happen by us saying yes to Jesus and his assignments on a day-to-day -day scale in the relationships we find ourselves. And I think that's, that's where God has brought us. I think that's why God has brought us to this place. That's why God brought us right next to the high school. I think God brought us next to the, the homes that are right there and the community around us and connecting to the ability to, to have access to, to people in our community so that we can share with them what God has given us so they too might be blessed, and then they too will be risen up to give what God blesses them to those that they're connected to. That's the church being the church. Well, How about them apples? I like it. Yeah, there you go. that'll preach, won't it? 
sermon. You got two I sermons think, yeah, today. Well I done. think it just did. <laughs> you like that? I did. I don't sing, hey, uh, so I'm out of here. No, no, hey, uh, Didi, you know, I've noticed something in every one of those videos. You had an opportunity to say thank you to the folks that have been here in the past. But in all sincerity, even if I'm going to get corny for a second, thank you for saying yes to this place, for surviving it, thriving all the way till now and beyond. Thank you for that. God, I just thank you for the love that you have for us. I thank you for being so good and so gracious to us. Uh, I thank you that you loved each and every one of us so much that you've called us to you and that you've called us uh, to live a life for you. I pray, God, that in unity that we will spur one another on in living our lives for you and that we'll be a light to the community around us as we move forward in the next 50 years. And it's uh, in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.